you're listening to Boss Up, the podcast for purpose-driven entrepreneurs, creatives, and side hustlers. I'm your host, Jessica Alexander. I'm the founder and CEO of Operation Evolve, an author, speaker, coach, and the creator of Boss Babes Brunch Tour. It's my personal mission to help you gain clarity, discover your passions, and walk in your purpose. Now let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode of the Boss Up Podcast is being brought to you by Boss Up, Pursue Your Purpose with Confidence. This book is the perfect and practical tool for the person who knows their purpose, but needs a plan of action. This is definitely the book that I wish someone had given me back when I was a car salesperson trying to figure it all out. I have every single thing outlined for you chapter by chapter with action steps at the end of each chapter that you can use. You can find this book on Amazon or at operationevolve.com. Hey y'all, and welcome to another episode of the Boss Up Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Alexander, and today we are discussing a form of marketing that is near and dear to my heart, event marketing, also known as experiential marketing. This industry is a hidden gem that I knew nothing about, and I definitely think it's a hidden gem for smaller businesses, but I want to let you know how I got started, and I'm going to share some really valuable tools with you today. So boom. Check it, it's 2013. I have finished college almost two years, well, like a year and a half. I have been applying for positions, not getting anything. I've even had a few interviews, but nothing was really panning out. If you're familiar with my story, I had this vision for a company I wanted to start back in 2012. But after quitting my job as a car salesperson at a Honda dealership, I got scared, put it on the back burner, and went back to working at my job at Olive Garden. Yes, child, I was pushing salad and breadsticks for the longest until I decided to peruse Indeed.com because it really was time for me to get something. Like I needed something. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to me and you've been in this position before, you know what it's like to know that you need a change. You need a change of pace something new in your life. So as I'm looking on Indeed.com, I see a position for market manager with Verizon Wireless. And in the description, I see Auburn football. Now, again, going back to my little backstory, the reason why I found myself in a tight predicament before was because I really had a huge desire to work in sports. And I did interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That didn't work out. And that really led to this series of events of working at the car dealership and where I was in 2013. So just to catch you up, it's I see this position. It seems like it's sports related. And like I said, I wasn't desperate, but I knew that I, I knew I had more inside of me. I knew that salad and breadsticks was not going to be my entire life. Right. So. I looked at the requirements and I said, okay, let's do it. And about a week after submitting my application, I had my first phone interview and nailed it. And then after that, I had a second phone interview with the account manager. And literally two days later, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking and I was working at Olive Garden and I was taking care of one of my tables and I started feeling my my phone vibrate in my server apron. So I was like, let me go ahead and run to the back real quick and see who it is. And 
the agency that interviewed me was based in Chicago, which is where I'm at now. And I saw the 312 area code pop up on my phone and I knew that it was going to be, I knew it was called from the agency. So I run to the kitchen and I answer my phone. And the person on the other end was the woman who did my first interview. And she says to me, hey, we'd like to offer you the position. And when I tell you I was leaping for joy, leaping in the kitchen at Olive Garden. And not only did they tell me um, we're offering you the job, they gave me what my pay was going to be. And then they said, now we need to hurry up and get your flight book because we have training in New Orleans in next week. And I was like, training in New Orleans? Yes. <laughs> I was really shook, but I was super excited. And on my first day there, I remember walking into the room and seeing all of these like bright and smiling and energetic faces. And I started ear hustling, you know what I mean? Just eavesdropping on a few conversations. And they were talking about these tours they were doing. They're talking about these long-term events they were working. They started talking about the pay they were getting, the per diem. And I turned around and said, wait a minute, y'all getting paid what for what? And then that was my first introduction into experiential marketing from the work standpoint, from the market manager, from the brand ambassador standpoint. But it clicked in my mind that these brands were hiring people at really, really great rates to represent their brand and to engage with the general public to make sure that people knew who they were, what they did, and that they would shop with them. My mind was blown. And I worked my first event was the first home game for Auburn for the 2013 season. And if you were if you're an Auburn fan, you know that 2013 was quite the magical year for all of us. But I digress. Let's get back to the topic at hand. I learned about the industry of event and experiential marketing from these people that I met in New Orleans who came from all across the country. Like this was my first time really being in a room with so many people from different parts of the country and seeing the emphasis that a major brand like Verizon would put on just this one portion of their marketing budget. So things started to open up for me and so basically, next time you're at a game, a conference, an expo, and you see a huge activation, and basically an activation is when you see the setup that these large brands have, that is experiential marketing. When you sign up to get yourself a free koozie or a free clear bag to get into a game, that is a part of experiential marketing. And during this episode, I'm going to share with you the benefits of that because it's so much more than you know, me signing you up for this quick survey and giving you a free gift, right? So we'll get into all those details later, but my first year alone, and I really am grateful that I started out in a smaller mar market because even being in Chicago, I recognize the level of competitiveness that this industry has because the pay rates are excellent. Um, I started out in a small market, Auburn, Alabama, where there aren't too many people who are aware of this industry, which is why I'm always talking about it. But my first year, I managed several events. Um, the first event, um, the first organization, first company I worked for was Verizon Wireless. I was their market manager. So market manager for Samsung, um, pro promotional model for Diageo, 
field market manager for Columbia Sportswear, field market manager for Reese's. Even in early 2014, I led the event for Reese's at Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, which is where all of the top seniors in college come to Mobile, Alabama, and they play a game. It's North versus South, and scouts from pretty much every single NFL team comes out. It's a huge deal. It's typically during Mardi Gras. It's a big it's a big event. And I was able to lead the Reese's activation for that. And I was even able to work on the NFL. Um, what am I trying to say? I was even able to work the Super Bowl event for Verizon and Bryant Park in New York City in 2014. So I've worked several events for several well-known brands. I've been grateful to train and manage hundreds of brand ambassadors. And because I had this experience, a lot of people ask me, you know, well, how did you figure out how to do Boss Babes Brunch Tour? How did you know what to do? A lot of my experience comes from what I've learned in experiential marketing, the logistics, the metrics that need to be measured, the type of feedback that I need to be looking for how to organize a schedule. All of this comes from my experience in experiential marketing. So when people just think that I just randomly popped up with all the knowledge to host events, it's really important for them to recognize that I've been in this industry for um, full time since 2013. But even during college, um, I was doing similar things. I just really didn't recognize that the the technical term for us. So I didn't really know like, oh, I'm doing this. If I had known, I would have done it full time a long time ago, but that's another story for another day. But this industry has been instrumental in giving me my knowledge and confidence to really go out there and host my own events. And I really want to let you know how important it is for you to leverage events and event marketing. My brand has been seen internationally. I'm able to, I've had international speaking engagements. I will be taking Boss Babes Brunch Tour internationally in 2022 because this industry has taught me so much. And today's episode, I'll be sharing with you five of the major benefits that you can leverage from event marketing to expand your brand. So what I need for you to do right now is grab your pen and your paper and let's get to work. All right, so let's get into today's episode. We're talking about event and experiential marketing. And before I go into all of this, I want to make it very clear that these companies that I've worked for in the past have massive budgets. I'm talking about six, seven figure budgets specifically for experiential. And I know that as a small business owner, if you are listening to this, you're like, I don't have no six, seven figures for experiential. That's okay. What I always say, and I will say this until I turn blue in the face, is that you don't need the money. You need the methods. So there's always a more affordable way to do things. There's always a way to get the results without spending all of your budget. And I really want to be clear that maybe you aren't at a point where you can afford you know, to have a consistent spot at a, an SEC or major conference football game. You know, maybe you aren't even at a lower division two game. You maybe you don't have that capacity yet, but you can find different ways to set up an experiential event, whether it is 
And I'm just going to give you a few examples of what you can do on a smaller scale. You can go to smaller conferences and set up a vendor table, you know, where it's, you know, maybe $1,000, maybe $500, maybe $200 for a vendor table. That still counts as experiential marketing. You can do sampling at certain places. You know, you can set it up. So just find smaller events. It doesn't have to be the biggest expo in town. It could be a smaller event. Even at Boss Babes Brunch Tour, we have vendors. If you choose to be a vendor, you can either be a vendor and just sell your stuff, or you can flip your mindset and say, how can I turn this into something experiential to not only these consumers can purchase my products, but I can do, and I'm going to share you these benefits of um, of event marketing. How can I incorporate these things into my vendor table? If I choose to sample at an event, if I'm a vendor at a hair show or an expo, if I go to a car show, there are spaces, as long as you can sign up for a vendor, experiential marketing is an option for you. Okay. So don't think major, huge, you know, 20 by 20 um, footprint, which is what they call the display area. Think, you know, maybe you just have a six foot vendor table. How can I make that pop to where consumers have an experience with me and experience with my brand? And that's honestly um, I, what I am going to be doing a podcast in the future that goes further into detail about this. But one of my biggest areas of frustration with a lot of vendors when I see them at large expos and events is that they aren't doing what the larger brands are doing. Like I said, you do not need the money. You need the methods. So when I see vendors just sitting down, waiting until somebody comes and talks to them before they can get up and they're eating food at the, like, I have lots of grievances and I'll probably use this for next week's podcast episode as to how to maximize your vendor sales. The biggest thing that I want to say before I go into this is that when you decide to be a vendor, when you decide to use experiential marketing, you're not just thinking about the day of results. And I do understand that when you invest money, whether it's $50 or $5,000, of course, your goal is to recoup that money. But what experiential marketing does doesn't just focus on what happens the day of the event. There's a long term strategy with how you set everything up that makes sure that even if I don't make back every single penny that I invested into that event that day, that I put systems in place to ensure that I get that money back from consumers I engage with at the event. So I'm going to share with you five benefits of using this method of experiential marketing versus just being a vendor. Because there is a difference. A vendor just sits up. Hopefully people buy. They don't. And for some events, that is a good option. But for people who are looking to grow a brand, for people who are looking to get better insights into their consumer's behavior, experiential is the way to go. So let's go ahead and share with you these five benefits. So the first thing that I want to talk about is that consumers can experience your product or service firsthand. So let's say, for example, you are a caterer or you bake cupcakes or cookies. This is the easiest example I can think of. So instead of you just having your shop and letting people come in, you have little samples out and people can taste it. You can even turn it into something fun, maybe a taste test, you know, and that's something, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about like fun ideas that people could do with their brands to make it more engaging at certain events. Now, let's be honest, there are certain times where you have to be aware of what's going on around you. You need to have enough people to ensure that you're not missing out on sales in lieu of trying to have fun with the consumer. So 
you need to prioritize a few things. I'm going to go into all this in next week's episode. So make sure that you, you know, turn on your notifications and subscribe so you can know exactly when next week's episode drops. But having a taste test, you know, and if and maybe turn it into a contest, a blind, a blind taste test to see which is better. You know, a few years ago, I worked with Pepsi and I'm not I'm not sure if you all remember the Pepsi challenge, but it was a huge experiential event that they did across the country. And I was on the team that was in Alabama. And basically what we did was we did a blind taste test in um, different in different locations across the state of Alabama, and we had people taste it, and they would vote on what their favorite flavor was. And of course, a lot of times people would vote that their favorite flavor was Pepsi. And if you're not familiar with like how Alabama is, Alabama is a huge Coke state. Um, Coca Cola. Just want to clarify. <laughs> but um, a lot of states um, have vendors that are preferred Pepsi vendors. But when you go to typically when you go to a lot of sporting, um, a lot of stadiums, a lot of um, arenas, the major brand there is Coke. And because of that, Coke is a more popular brand when people purchase in stores. So they wanted to do this Pepsi challenge to let people be aware of the fact that Pepsi has a great taste as well. So you can do something similar at your event, do a taste test, but this is a great way for people to experience what your product is, regardless if it is a product or a service. Um, I remember back in 2018 when I was on Boss Babes Brunch Tour, I also had an opportunity to visit the, um, I volunteered at the Black Enterprise Small Business Expo in Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of the speakers from Boss Babes Brunch Tour, LaCanya Murray, was a vendor at the event. And a part of her experience that people could have while being there was getting some legal consulting. Now she did have a small fee for it. And that is something that you can do. It is an option for you to have a paid experiential event at your table. But she had reduced fees, reduced time limits for people to get some legal counsel from her when it came to IP and trademarks, because that's what her specialty is. So you can find ways to give people an experience to get a taste of what your product or service provides to see what some of the results may be, and in turn, having an opportunity to convert them into a long-term client, okay? So when you can get consumers to experience this product or service, it's building one brand awareness and it's also leaving a lasting impression. So in the future, when they are presented with information and it's some, the, the result could be the use of your product or service, they already know who to go to. They don't have to do research. You know, let's go back to Lacanya. If someone is just like talking to the person who paid for the mini session with her and they now have have a friend who needs some legal services when it comes to their trademark or their IP. They don't have to search the Internet. They know, oh, well, when I was at Black Enterprise, I met this woman based out of Alabama and she provides these legal services. Let's go to her because she was amazing. So when you can provide your consumers with a fun experience of what your product or service provides, it gives them information on what you do. It builds brand awareness and it also leaves a lasting impression, which could lead to some brand loyalty loyalty as well. So let the consumers experience your product or service. That's a great thing that you can do. The second thing that is so important, so, so important. I don't care if you don't do anything at your table, at your event space, 
you need lead generation, okay? There is no reason why you should invest in a vendor space, in a booth, anything, if you're not collecting consumer data. Come on now. You need to have names, emails, phone numbers. That's the basic thing you should have, at least the first name and the email address. And an easy way to do this, to because of course, a lot of people don't want their information used. People are worried about it being sold, what have you. But have it be in exchange for something. A lot of times I see people just handing out free stuff to get people into their booth, but have it be in exchange. Do you think that when I was working for Nissan, you may look at it and be like, oh, it's just a koozie. Well, guess what you're going to have to do for that koozie? We're going to need a little bit of information. We're going to need your name. We're going to need your phone number. <laughs> Come on. So make sure that you're collecting leads. For example, maybe you don't have anything that you have to give away because maybe it's just not in your budget. Maybe it's sign up for this list. We're doing a giveaway at, you know, two o'clock and everyone who signs up for this list gets a raffle ticket. And at two o'clock, we'll be announcing a winner. Boom. Easy. Now you have a list of leads that you can contact in the future. Come on, somebody. Listen to me here. So lead generation is really important. Now, like I said, the basics are going to be at least get the name and the email. Just the name and the email. If you want to go a step further, you can get the phone number. If you want to get a step further, you know, you can definitely get other demographical information. I don't know demographical is a word, but get other information regarding the demographics written down. But you need to get leads. And I'm going to tell you why. You want to follow up with people who you met at the booth. You want to follow up after the event is over with. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Here's a 10% off coupon. I'm dropping gems. I hope you're picking them up. This information I should be charging for. <laughs> I'm going to put my cash app. I'm just playing. But yeah, you want to follow up with people. That's what lead generation is all about. It's not just about building this big email. It's like I stated earlier. You want people to... You don't want them to just buy something a day of and never come back to you again. You want to build a relationship with the consumer. You can do that through lead generation. That's why you need their email address. So you can add to your email list so that the next day or whenever the conference or if it's a you know multiple day event is over with, you're sending an email out to everyone who signed up, thanking them for stopping by, giving them an incentive to purchase immediately is a discount. Hey, thank you for stopping by. Everyone who stopped by today gets a 25% off code. Here's the code you can use at checkout. It expires within whatever, however many hours or days you want to give them. Boom. And because they're on your email list, if, you know, and if they choose to unsubscribe, that's their prerogative because it is. But if they decide that they want to continue to be with you and, you know, you get to continue that relationship with them by sending them regular emails. And eventually, either they're going to unsubscribe or they're going to stay on the list because they like what you're sending them. They'll be repeat customers. You don't want one-time customers. You want to be able to have people not only come into purchasing your product or service, but that you want them to continue to do it and to bring other people along. And that's what lead generation can do for you. Okay, so do that. The third thing I want to talk about is providing useful analytics. Now, Again, this goes into lead generation. I talked about 
you know, having the name and the email address, but you want to make sure that you are looking at the type of people who are coming by your booth. That's what I'm saying. Everything needs to be intentional. So even if you do have any type of survey or something, you need to think about the data you need, whether you need it for funding, whether you need it for, um, for creating any type of ads in the future. If you can be at your event and get some analytics on the type of people who work there, and this is going to be specific according to whatever brand it is. So for example, I just worked auto show, Chicago auto show, and I was representing Jeep. And part of the experience, like I said, they provided this really cool experience where people were able to ride in the Jeeps, the different types of Jeeps. They created this type of course just to show off the different terrain and the different degrees that the Jeep could climb up and go down without it you know, crashing and burning. So it was a really fun experience. People waited almost an hour just to ride in a Jeep for two minutes. And they got a free, after after getting off the, getting out of the Jeep, there was a post survey. And after completing it, they were able to get their freebie. So like I tell you, you know, we're not just giving stuff away. You have to work for it. Even for people to get on, they had to fill out a registration form. And of course, the incentive behind it was that someone would be eligible to win $75,000 in um, in Jeep products or accessories or whatever the um, Stellaris is the company that owns Jeep. So they were able to get that amount of money in Jeep products. So that was an incentive for people to sign up. But in that form, in addition to just filling out your name and email address, they needed to know your age range. They need to know where you were. They need to know, were you a current Jeep customer? What type of vehicle do you own? How would you rate Jeep? On the post-event survey, you know, what was your experience? What vehicle did you ride in? What was your experience like? Would you suggest Jeep? So these are things that people need to know because if they get at the end of their survey, if they have it where 75% of people would refer Jeep, that's a good statistic to have. That's a good statistic to show off to other people and other partners. But you again, the long-term strategy is something that you have to think about before you go into this event space. So you need to think about what consumer data do I need or do I desire going into this event? What do I need that's going to elevate my brand? What can I use to boost my brand? What can I do to get more funding? What can I do to position myself better in the eyes of investors, in the eyes of consumers? How can I use this experience to boost my brand? So being able to get those analytics from the data you collect, whether it be through a survey or whether you have someone who is actively just looking at the people coming on site, I would suggest creating some type of form that people can fill out so that way um, so that way you are, you know, that way it's a little more seamless and you can collect it in one spot and analyze the data all at once. But again, I'm going to go into more detail in this in the future episode, but con collecting consumer analytics is so important. You know, you hear larger brands talking about looking at the numbers. This is something that we need to start doing from an earlier time, time frame as small businesses. So if we can identify specific consumer data points that we need to collect prior to attending this event, and then we can create some type of form or system to collect it, 
that's something that experiential marketing can do for you. Okay. Another benefit is networking with other brands and also kind of peeping and seeing what other brands are doing to engage with their consumers. So this is a great opportunity for you to see what other brands are doing and just to see what else is going on. Because again, we don't have all the information, but if I connect with somebody who is maybe in a similar industry or maybe in a complete opposite industry and I ask her, you know, well, what other shows are you going to this year? What other events are you doing? Do you travel? When you travel, do you travel alone? Do you need a partner? Maybe we can collaborate. But networking needs to always be top of mind. Even when I'm working for these other brands, I'm networking with people and networking with other companies because, you know, as a brand ambassador, market manager, you are typically a contractor. So you need to have relationships in the industry to make sure that you stay employed. <laughs> and for me, now that I'm in Chicago and I'm able to work more events and also build my brand at the same time, I've also been able to network and meet people in different industries um, for my other brands that I need in the future. And I've met so many people in just the three events that I've worked so far since the since two weeks ago. So always look for networking opportunities. You can network with the people who are with these major brands and seeing how you can grow, how you can develop, how you can build partnerships. That's what this is all about, guys. So make sure that you're making it happen for yourself, okay? And last but not least, the most important thing, I'm going to go through all of them again, is your consumer feedback. This is the best thing you can do when you are a vendor at a space. Ask questions to the consumers to figure out what they need, what they like, what their experience has been, not only with you, but with other products or services. So let's just say I am, I make my own body butters and oils and I have a skincare line. And of course, my goal is to sell products at this event. But as I am engaging with people, you know, typically when you go to an event and people have skincare products, they'll have like their wooden spoon. Um, they'll, you know, they'll give you, let you put it on you, let you smell it. But while they are doing this, you need to ask questions. And of course, like I said, you can create a digital form for this that people can fill out on their own, or you can actively ask questions. You know, what has been your experience with skincare products? What do you currently use? What price range do you typically spend? Are you opposed to investing more? Like you have to figure out all these questions for yourself, but these are questions I would probably ask. I would ask, you know, how much are you spending? How often are you buying? Who is your favorite product? Um, what results are you lacking that you need? What are some of your issues? Do you have oily skin, dry skin? And then I would make a, a, um, a suggestion as to what they should purchase from me. And I would go ahead and say, would you like one or two? And ring them up. But if they're not ready to buy, I would want to collect as much data from this as possible as ask as many questions in a conversational, not a um, interrogating, like now you're not going to interrogate them like they're, you know, in trouble, but ask questions so that you can get feedback so that you can get the results you desire. At the end of the day, the most important thing you can and will do is get feedback from your consumers because they are the ones are, that are going to be dictating how the market goes for you. So if you know how to serve them best, 
then they're going to stay with you. They're going to bring other people to you. But if you are so dead set on having, you know, if you're a clothing designer and you're dead set on having velvet, even though nine out of the 10 people told you that they prefer the satin, but you're going to push it because it's what you want, your sales aren't going to be popping. But if you listen to what the consumer says, you have a better chance of making better decisions that are going to serve them and they're going to want to come to you. And this is a good thing because a lot of times as small business owners, because we aren't as intentional about looking at data and looking at research, we typically think we we typically try to make things that we think the consumer should want instead of asking the consumer what he or she wants and creating or making sure that you are serving the consumer and not yourself and hoping that the consumer sees it and just like, oh, I'm going to get that now. So you need to get some consumer insights while you are at these events so that you can know how you can best serve them in the future. So let me go over these one last time really quickly. Five benefits of experiential marketing and event marketing for your small business. One is that consumers get to experience your product or service in turn building brand awareness and leaving a lasting impression. The second thing is that you're able to get lead generation. So getting people on your email list or your text list so that you can continue the relationship with them after the event ends. The third thing is getting useful analytics. So understanding what demographic information you need from your consumer and getting that and using it to your advantage. The fourth thing is you get to network with other brands. Last but not least is getting specific consumer feedback on the product or service that you provide. So I hope that all this information was helpful. I'll be back with another episode really talking about how your vendor experience can be enhanced. That will be for next week's episode. So make sure you are tuned in. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Boss Up podcast. Share it with a friend. And if you have any suggestions or questions about future episodes, slide into my DMs on Instagram at Jessica C. Alexander. And I will see you again next week. Thanks for tuning in. If you found today's podcast episode helpful, be sure to subscribe, rate, and share with your tribe. Also, check out coaching programs and upcoming events from our website, operationevolve.com. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you next week.